Good Oral Health is about more than just brushing and flossing your teeth. Dental disease is 100% preventable, and it starts at home with you. Yep, you heard me right. Cavities are a disease and not something our children should just get. Your mouth is a window into your body, and it has an effect on your speech, breathing, chewing, heart health, so much more, and we're not listening to it. Come along with me on this journey, and I'll give you a whole new perspective of the importance of taking care of your mouth and the long-term effects it has not only on your oral health, but also your overall systemic health. On this podcast, we'll bring you a mixture of professionals, experts in the field that will give you advice and action steps you can take with your kids in different situations. We're also going to have moms, dads, caregivers, just like you, having the same struggles that you are, because together we can make a difference and help keep our kids healthy. Because a healthy mouth is a healthy body and a healthy life. And it all starts with you. Welcome back to the Healthy Mouth Movement Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Blaine Leeds. Dr. Leeds has had a diverse career, including owning a car dealership, an FM radio station, sports broadcasting, and even fronting a rock band, sharing a stage with legends like Kansas, Steve Miller Band, and 38 Special. Dr. Leeds has 28 years of experience across 12 states. He's treated more telehealth patients than any provider in the nation by harnessing power of technology to provide millions of Americans with life-changing dental care. His groundbreaking work. He is also co-authoring an eagerly anticipating book, What Happens When Your Child Doesn't Sleep? Unlock the Secret to Healthy, Happy Children. Dr. Leeds is passionate about connecting oral health with children's sleep disorders, empowering caregivers with knowledge, and challenging medication-centric solutions. His perspective offers hope and a fresh new approach to impacting countless families. Ensuring your child gets sufficient sleep is crucial for brain function. However, have you ever considered that a key to achieving a good night's sleep might rest in your oral health of your child? By addressing this matter, we have the potential to not only improve sleep, but also alleviate other various childhood diagnoses. He passionately connects oral health and children's sleep disorders by empowering caregivers to acknowledge and challenge medical-centric solutions like giving medications. His perspective offers hope and impacting countless families. We all know the link between our tonsils, our adenoids, our sleep, ADA, ADHD. If you're following me, you know that I've been talking about this. But Dr. Leeds, thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge and sharing your expertise with us and the moms that listen to this podcast and all the other providers. I'm so excited to talk to you about this today. Cherie, I am equally excited to talk to you or anybody else who will listen. You know about this as much as I do, that once you learn this, you can't unsee it. We're, we're diagnosing these children across the airport terminal, yeah. uh, you know, and we wish, you know, we have people come up to us at the ballpark and their child's sitting there mouth breathing and drooling all over their shirt. And we're going, gosh, I want to say something to this family. And, uh, but it's, you know, we're doing it the right way. We're going to talk about it here. We're going to try to get in front of as many people as we can yeah. so that these great companies out there and doctors that are actually doing it right and paying attention to this problem, you know, can help with this link between medicine and dentistry. You know, here in the good old US of A, we have medical insurance and dental insurance and we go to different schools. And so therefore, as you know, as a hygienist, these things fall in this diagnostic chasm between our two professions and we don't like to communicate with each other and you know, the dentists don't go to real medical school. So, you know, and we're not real doctors. So, you know, but, you know, and that's, I'm joking, of course, well, I have a lot of wonderful medical colleagues who, a couple of them that I have dinner with every Wednesday night, that you know, a surgeon and a family practice doc. And, and 
What we know is there are great hygienists and bad ones. There are great dentists and bad ones. There are great plumbers and bad ones. There are great quarterbacks and bad ones. There's great rock and roll front men and not so great ones. And it's it's the same in every profession. Uh, you know, you're going to find that group of people who are really trying to do it right. You know, and that's what we want to be as a dental patient, as a as a mom or a dad or two moms or two dads or whatever your family situation is. When you're trying to take care of your child, we know that that's the most important thing on earth. And we, my wife and I still talk about it every night. Our, our guys are 32 and 28. They're smelly, shaving, stinking old men, both of them. And we would do anything for them still. They're still our children, and you know how that is. And so it is great to be with you today and great to talk to you about this very important and very exciting and encouraging when we look at the future on the things that we have available to us and way to help these kids. I talk to moms every week that are frustrated and at their wits end. They've seen everyone in the medical path that they know to see, and they still have issues and really what you and I, what you want to do and what I want to do is we want to get this message out there and tell the story so that people understand it and they can gather the information and be medical and dental advocates for themselves. Because as we all know, you know, nobody cares more about your child than you do and your situation. And as providers, we got to listen better to what moms and dads are saying and, you know, and listen to our patients, you know, not just moms and dads, but uh, there's your dental tip for the day, right? If you're a hygienist, uh, you know, don't work for somebody that makes you work, you know, on a 40 minute and a 40 minute profi mill or, you know, something that where you're cranking out work. I mean, you know, work in a place where you're treating the whole person and we've got time to to talk through things with our patients. Because as we know, as you know, as a hygienist and, and me as a dentist who at one time I had seven hygienists working for me at the same time, covering 13 days a week of hygiene in a little tiny practice in Western Arkansas, uh, which is about a mile from where I'm taping this with you today. And those hygienists, uh, they were the periodontists of our office. We treated them. They're a provider just like me. Uh, and so we know in hygiene, though, that we're going to see those patients a lot of times twice a year. And so in dentistry or in dental hygiene, we can notice changes like all of a sudden Bob has dark circles under his eyes. Why didn't he have them last time he was here? I looked at his patient photo. It's different today. He's lost 38 pounds. Oh, guess what? He had a cardiac bypass seven days ago. So maybe we need to update his medical history and take a take a blood pressure reading. You know, so uh, but in hygiene and in dentistry, we see patients about 20 minutes out of the year. The average person sees their medical doctor seven minutes every seven years. Wow. So in dentistry, if you're a hygienist, you could save somebody's life today. If you're a dental assistant and you take a blood pressure reading on a patient and it's 290 over 117, Maybe they don't need epinephrine in their anesthetic today, or maybe they don't need treatment today. Maybe you just saved their life, you know, by by taking their blood pressure. So, um, you know, in our world, we we have a chance to see these diagnostic things, and and I'll quit blabbing so you can ask me questions and we can talk more specifically about it. Yes, yes. And it's funny that you brought up the airport because I was on a plane um, this time last year sitting next to a family, and I could see what was going on. And I said, I don't mean to be rude, but can I ask you a question? So, yeah. And as hygienists, we're not allowed to diagnose, right? But I struck up a conversation with this mom. We ended up working together. And I guess I should say, at least in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. In Canada, you can own your own practice. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Actually, there are, I think, maybe seven states now in the U.S. where you can own your own practice. I know Arizona, Wisconsin, Maine, for sure. Maybe Utah. Yep. Yeah. So as, as hygienists, we can identify these issues and get them to the right people. Right. Um, but 
you know, she was told that her daughter was fine and her adenoids were fine. I was told that my daughter would outgrow bedwetting and they wanted me to put my daughter on ADHD meds. And I'm like, but she only acts this way when she's tired and she's tired. Why is she tired? And I was taught as dental hygienist, you were only tongue tied if you couldn't stick your tongue out or you had speech issues, right? Now I know there's different classes of tongue ties and there's all of these issues. And I had no idea that her bedwetting was related to her mouth and her sleep. So that's why I'm excited to talk to you because I feel that a lot of parents don't know this. If I didn't know this, her dad was a dentist. I'm a dental hygienist. She's in braces. She's, she's worn braces from six to 19. She still embraces now, right? Because we didn't know all this stuff. And I didn't know that your tongue could be pushing your teeth because a lot of dentists say, oh no, it's, it's not that, but form follows function. I know that now as a myofunctional therapist. So how can we get kids to sleep better? How can we get parents to recognize these symptoms? So moms like me aren't suffering and don't find out until their child is 13. How can we get to this and figure this out when our children are younger and we can use their growth and development and help everyone in the family sleep better? Well, God bless you for going through all of that. And your story is, as you know, one of thousands and thousands. Uh, And I, I see patients in adulthood, you know, that I walked in the room and one of my colleagues had been talking with him in an office in Manhattan. And I walked in and I said, did you have braces when you were a child? And he said, yes, I did. I said, did you have four bicuspids removed for your braces? And he said, yes, I did. And because I had already seen his CBCT and I knew that his airway space was about the size of a Starbucks coffee stirring straw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as dentists and orthodontists, you know, we have to do better. We have to understand the whole person and we got to think about what we're doing instead of just restricting this jaw growth and locking these peaks and valleys together on the teeth with the patient in the wrong spot uh, skeletally. So it's it's something we got to start thinking about. I was floored, I was, as I'm sure you were, you know, because I didn't learn this in t- until I was six, 15, 16 years into my career as a dentist, you know, 12 years ago. Uh, and, and I learned it by accident because I became a CPAP patient myself. I had sleep apnea. Well, guess what? I've got a midline palatal torus and a unilateral crossbite that I still haven't repaired because I'm I'm, wait, I'm thinking about how I'm going to do the expansion without surgery. Yep. And so in the meantime, I was working for Clearliner companies that were, wow, they're, actually, they're, they're straightening teeth, but they're also getting expansion. So could we work together here maybe? And And so that's kind of where I am in my own treatment. So it's like, you know, hair club for men. I'm not just a, a doctor. I'm a member. You know, I, I actually wear, <laughs> and, uh, wear the, you know, a CPAP machine. My, I'm one of the, you know, four in 10 that can tolerate his or her CPAP machine mm-hmm. uh, because I got very lucky because the sleep technician really appreciated how important it was to have a nasal pillow appliance and which I think our compliance rate with CPAP and medical patients would go way up if that, that appliance and maybe one other were the only ones we offered. Doctors don't understand many of them that mouth breathing. We don't. We don't want to cover the mouth. We want them to breathe through their nose. Right. And so, any I would I would never recommend that a patient have a full mask uh, CPAP uh, mask, full face rather CPAP mask. But and maybe there's a medical doctor out there that can convince me of some reason you know why we need to do that. But uh, maybe they have some sort of skeletal you know broken nose or obstruction where they're not getting any air at all. I might you know buy into that then, but. I'd rather fix that problem, you know, and have them breathe through their nose. But we're putting a lot of them in um, bike guards to open yeah. their way, but that's a, you know, that's kind of like giving them a pill, give them a night guard. It's still not treating the root cause. 
That's true. That's true. And and it and it will work, you know, in defense of those appliances. It will move the mandible forward and keep the tongue from falling back, which we know is what clogs the airway for the most part. Um, so those those appliances do work, but we got to re- got to make sure that your your dentist makes those gives you an appliance to, you know, recenter your bite every morning while your coffee's brewing. You know, you put the little appliance in in the mornings and and get your because otherwise your brain will start, you know, learning to you know, close in that new open position. And so we don't want anterior open or anterior open or posterior open bites. And you and I may have gone way too far down the Charlie Brown teacher mode for a lot of the listeners. Yeah, probably. Out we want to talk about why are kids not sleeping and what can we do about that? Yes. Yes. Why are they not sleeping? Well, they're not sleeping because we're four generations into them not breathing. As we got, and as you know, um, when patients leave the incubator, they don't even leave the incubator without a pacifier. And pacifier, we gotta we ought to be concerned as parents about how's that pacifier designed. Um, because we don't want it to be an orthodontic appliance that when we suck on it, it moves our cheeks together and moves our baby molars together, which arches our palate and shrinks the airway space. And we're creating these children that are breathing through their mouth. And so why does it matter? I mean, oxygen is oxygen, right? Does it matter how we get it? You bet it does. It matters. Humans are obligate nasal breathers. We want to be breathing clearly and visibly, quietly, effortlessly all the time through our nose. And when we breathe through our nose, it creates uh, nitric oxide secretion by some little glands near the parasinus in the back of the oropharynx. Not to give you the Gray's Anatomy $3 words there. Right. And I work really hard to say the word pharynx. I always want to put my N before my Y in the word in the word. <laughs> I want to make it a pharynx, but it's yeah. not. It's pharynx. So anyway, um, but that's why it's important that someone breathes through their nose and and not their mouth. And so if I see a child in my office that's just mouth breathing alone, diagnosis over that we know they need an appliance. If I see a child that has dark circles and a retreated mandible and they're four years old and there's no space between their baby teeth, that's all I need to see. I don't need an x-ray. I don't need, they need some sort of an appliance to do what? To keep the facial muscles off the developing bone in the jaws and allow the tongue to be, the tongue is really our expansion appliance. And we want that tongue, as you know, from myofunctional therapy, we talked a little bit off air about that. When the tongue is in the palate, up behind the anterior teeth where it belongs, and it's nice and broad and wide, it will expand the palate. If the tongue's in the right spot over time on a small child, we know this. And so when you, as a hygienist, if there are hygienists out there that are listening or dental assistants, when you see a child in the practice and they have absolutely perfect slammed together primary teeth and mom says, well, look at Tommy's teeth. They're so straight. And he's four years old. And actually, we know that primary teeth need to have space between them about the width of a dime a U.S. 10-cent coin in between each teeth. Space is good in the primary teeth because why? The, the adult teeth that are coming in later are larger. They take up a lot more space, and we need to be developing those arches. We want bigger, wider smiles and more room for the teeth. You know, we talk about it, uh, you know, if you went to the podiatrist and you said, my my toes don't fit in my shoe, they wouldn't, you know, have you come back for a second appointment to have your pinky toes amputated. You know, they, they change the shoes, Right. The same with, I mean, that's, that's really the fallacy of false analogy if we want to spend an hour talking about philosophy, but because a, a toe is not a tooth, even though 
even though uh, my patients used to look at a panorex and go, those look like toes. Uh, but, you know, they're not. They're, you know, but we, don't, we shouldn't extract teeth. If we've got enough room in the arches, everything should come in. So um, uh, humans have 32 teeth most of the time. Some people are born without wisdom teeth. Uh, but those those 30, yeah, me too, I only had one. And boy, it was a doozy. I, I was on heavy narcotics for 29 hours straight I, I, after having that one removed. Um, but we, we should have room for all those teeth. In sub-Saharan Africa, we know that breastfeeding is a big part of the, the equation for moms and kids when they're itty-bitty. As we In sub-Saharan Africa, we only see a 5% incidence of sleep apnea. Why is that? Well, Skulls are developing earlier because children are breastfeeding longer, almost to age four or five. And we know now that breastfeeding is more of a it's more of a chewing motion than it is a suckling motion. So it makes for broader, wider smiles, wider palates, more room for the teeth. And so these are all things that are contributing. But when our kids aren't breathing through their nose, they're not sleeping well. And so that's what we gotta we gotta work on. Yeah. And as you were mentioning, you know, we're also not chewing as much because we're afraid our kids are going to choke. So we start with giving them a pacifier and then we start with giving them soft foods. So before the agricultural revolution, we nursed longer, like you said, but we also chewed harder foods. And some parents even chewed the meat before they gave it to the kids, which we would Mm -hmm. think was really gross now, but we used our jaw motions and chewed a lot more than we do now. Sure. And, but if you hand a, if you hand a one-year-old a spare rib, they can't hurt them. They're not going to swallow a spare rib, but I guarantee you they'll find a way with their gums to get that uh, that that protein off the bone. And in other societies, we know this. They hand them a carrot right out of the garden. Just here, chew on this, and it, they tea, they chew, they you know. So exactly right. Soft diet is part of the issue too. Yep. Yep. So 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 we know these things now. We see that our kids have teeth that are close together. We find a doctor that will give our kid under six an appliance, right? <laughs> um, sometimes that's a, a struggle for parents. Um, so yes, and and there's you know, and and but now we have something called toothpillow.com where you can you can see me as a patient or my colleagues at toothpillow.com. You can go on there and fill out an application online. There's an app. Uh, check it out. There are my colleagues. They're the most brilliant people in this. Uh, we have the greatest clinicians that are associated with this company, Dr. Ben Moralia, Dr. Callie Hale, Dr. Kevin Goles, fantastic providers who've seen more patients than anybody combined in the world for this issue. And all of them started out as skeptics. Oh my gosh, this doesn't work. This is hokey. This is just a football mouthpiece. No, it's not. The, these, these appliances, there's about four companies that make them. Uh, you can find these appliances out there uh, and and they'll they'll keep your patient, your little child patient, they'll keep their tongue in the right spot where it can do the expansion that it needs to do and it'll help them breathe. So is that, I've not heard about that. Is that similar to like a myomunchie or is it a little different? No, it's a, it's actually a Vivos appliance. Vivos, oh, Vivos. Therapeutics okay. makes, makes the guides, but we also use uh, myobrace guides as well for patients that are class three. Like if your child is four or five years old and they have an underbite like this, and the doctor says, oh, we're going to wait till they're 12 years old and then we're going to break their jaws and do surgery. No, you're not. Don't let, don't let that happen. There's a nice little appliance called an I3N, like Nancy, a little appliance made by Myobrace, which is an Australian company. They have offices in California and New Jersey, and they have reps all over the country. There's at least one doctor in every state, maybe more, that provides these uh, appliances for kids. And this device will actually jump a full class three crossbite. In other words, 
all the mandibular teeth outside the periphery of the upper teeth, which we have, what is, what is that? Well, it's an extremely underdeveloped maxilla and mandible we know now. So this device, if caught early, and, and what, what's early? Three years of age, all the way up to six, seven years of age. You know, as we were taught, you were taught in hygiene school uh, to, to grab the dentist's coat on the way by. I was taught always diagnose and treat these crossbites as soon as you find them, because we know in the kiddos with the developing jawbones, much easier to fix at a younger age than if we wait until everybody's 16, 17 years old, then we are looking at surgery. Yeah. And by the time they're seven or eight, they've already had 80% of their growth and development. So we really need to get to these kids younger. Isn't that amazing to think about the, the, the growth of the skull? The majority of it happens when you're an itty bitty human being. So, uh, and, and, and so, and I can't believe how many times in my practice I said, Hey, well, no problem. We'll wait and we'll wait till they've only got six baby teeth left. Let's just wait till they're 10 or 11 and we'll have the baby teeth removed and then we'll do orthodontics. I said that for the first 11, 12, 15 years of my practice because that's what I was taught. And then I realized, holy smokes, this child could be choking to death. We've got to help them breathe. We've got to expand these kids earlier. And so if you're a pediatric dentist, I mean, I've got a colleague that's a pediatric dentist. He sees, uh, I think they have 435 uh, hygiene visits a week in this practice, about four pediatric dentists. I guarantee you, if those were new patients, 400 of them could benefit from some sort of expansion treatment. That's just kind of the numbers that we're working with now as we're four generations into this. Because uh, remember when we were kids, there might be one kid on your block that had braces or maybe one out of every five kids. And nowadays it's like everybody's got to have orthodontics. And so- The wisdom teeth out, right? Yeah, get your wisdom. When you go, yeah, it's like a rite of passage, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to joke about it. I, I used to say, I'm gonna, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God two things. Why do we have ticks? You know, why, you know, and why do we have wisdom teeth? You know, because it's like, you know, but now I know because we're supposed to have room for them. And the ticks I found out are for chickens to eat. So oh. there, there, so I, I actually, I know both questions, this side of glory. So there we go. I did not know that about chickens. I didn't know that about wisdom teeth. No. <laughs> you want a free range chicken out pecking around and the, eating the ticks that, I mean, they'll, they'll do it. Good to know. I'll have to get some chickens. <laughs> Omelets. I know that. That's, that's our nutrition tip. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that uh, that is very interesting. And yeah, if we get to these kids, then they won't grow up to be adults that need CPAP machines as well. So a lot of these adults that are having CPAP machines, they were children that have these issues that just we didn't know to look for. So we can prevent some of these things. So I know that we're talking a lot about children, but there are a lot of adults that are suffering with the CPAP. So what do you tell those adults because they're parents of these kids that are having these problems? What do you tell them if they're suffering with their CPAP machine? Where do they go? What do they look for? Because a lot of people don't even know. They're just like, yeah, I don't use it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where to get answers. What do we tell the parents of these kids that are struggling with that? Sure. Well, if you Google the words sleep dentist, in most states where you are, it will pull up a, a practitioner who has done some extra training to understand, and there's thousands of them all over the United States. But again, getting the information out there, I mean, dentistry, I can, I can talk badly about us as a profession because I am one, right? Uh, we've done a terrible job of marketing what we do. When I was in dental school, they were like, okay, 
Keep your collar buttoned up, even though you've got neckwear on underneath. We're going to button this collar really tight. And we're professionals. We don't market what we do. We don't use advertising. And, of course, we know Bill Dorfman changed all that with Extreme Makeover, right, and went on ABC, and, I, and which was so great for dentistry. I had patients walking in my practice in, in Little Town, Arkansas, and saying, I want those. Actually, they said more like, I want them veneers like Catherine Zeta-Jones has, you know. And so, uh, and I said, you know what? You shall have them and you will have them from the exact same lab. And so as we tell people what we do in our profession, uh, you know, we have to share this story. And, and there are more and more of us out there who are treating sleep dentistry uh, in, in adults, in children. And you know what? Part of treating sleep dentistry in adults is making sure we take them through the proper diagnostic path. Uh, you can work with groups like Empower Sleep. Uh, my good friend and colleague, Dr. Sahil Chopra in Los Angeles, California. You can send him diagnostic data. He, I can't diagnose sleep apnea because I'm a, I'm a dentist, right? right. I, can't, I can say you have all the symptoms and you have all the signs. I can't diagnose you, but I can really tell you, you got it. So you got to go over here to my medical colleague. But remotely, Dr. Sahil Chopra and Empower Sleep, he's with the Stanford Sleep Center. Doesn't get any better as far as clinical preparation for what they do. He can help patients get a CPAP machine if that's what best fits them. And then you to if you're going to have stuff covered by insurance, you got to play by their rules, right? And so if if we go through the trouble to have the CPAP machine and you can't tolerate it, almost every decent insurance provider will pay benefits out for an oral appliance if the patient has tried the gold standard medical therapy first. And I love that that the gold standard therapy is only 40% successful. Hmm. It's like baseball, I guess. For batting 400 is a good average. You have four out of ten. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, that's that's the way that you do it. Google Sleep Dentist, uh, or you can email me or whatever. You find me. I'm not hard to find. I'm, all, you know, and and you're not hard to find. But, you know, we can give them some contact information depending on where they are, in the in the, you know geographically in the United States. There's about four or five doctors I can tell you depending on where you were, and it's it's certainly worth the trip if it's half a day to get there you're going to be better off, you know, if you go and see these people, but that that's how I would start. And, and it's, it is, I keep threatening to start a website that's a, uh, or a, or an app that is uh, curating what we do because it's so hard, you know, to find a hygienist, a dentist, a lawyer, uh, you know, people that we trust there. I mean, and the way that we do it is we just, we do word of mouth advertising. We, we talk to our sister and, she went to Dr. Smith and, you know, he did a great job on her implant. So, and, you know, we don't know if he had a great day that day or not. You know, we, he could be a complete, you know, he could be completely inept and we wouldn't know. And so and there's really no way to know, you know, so we need to figure out a way to curate and maybe telling the story will will help people understand. And and to me, and I think, you know, too, there's some, or you would probably say there's signs, you know, when you walk in an office that, that office knows what they're doing. And, and uh, sometimes it's just answering the phone. I mean, you know, I think 39% of dental office phone calls go completely unanswered, not not to voicemail, not to a callback, not to a, a text later type thing through their weave system, or whatever, but go completely unanswered. So, you know, if you're a provider out there, maybe answer the telephone. Yeah, or, or call people back. I've had several people, even where I work, say, uh, you know, that someone said they would call back and they didn't call back. So... I, I tell people you have to be your own healthcare advocate. Um, you have to follow up. And because these days, especially since COVID, 
there are doctors are so busy that a lot of them, you can't even get in for eight months to see them, especially with depression and anxiety and things like that. And a lot of that also stems from lack of oxygen and lack of sleep. So there's so many mental health providers that you can't even get into. Um, I have a niece that has some issues and my sister couldn't get her into a program for eight months. And so I think a lot of people also don't realize that breathing and sleep affect that as well. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if we were going to give the listeners some value today, you know, what are the things that are, are you hydrating yourself? I mean, you can't believe how many patients I talk to that they can't tell me the last time they had a bottle of water. Uh, I mean, I had a 62-year-old patient. She's a fourth grade teacher, okay? I'm about to leave the operatory, which is when they always want to ask a question. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, and I'll always say, got any more questions, you know, before next time? And I'll turn to walk out the door and they'll go, she said, well, you know, I do have one. She said, I wake up every morning with a headache. Really? I said, well, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? And she goes, well, I... And no, the very first thing, it's okay. You can say it. I pee. Yeah, that's it. It's the very first thing you do. <laughs> When's the last time you had a bottle of water? She couldn't remember. Oh. What do you drink at breakfast? Dr. Pepper. Okay. Sugar and caffeine. We're dehydrating ourselves further. It's amazing to me uh, how, how little people know about just general nutrition. They're drinking caffeine. They're drinking energy drinks like this. God forbid this poor gal that went to Panera Bread yesterday or day before and or last week and had their new lemon lemonade energy drink and died. Some some little girl died. A 21-year-old girl died drinking an energy drink. So back to your advocacy point, you're in charge of your health. Whatever passes over your lips and gums and into your tummy, you know, you're responsible. And so we've got to be aware of these things. We've got to be better about are you hydrated? Are you, are, I mean, how about taking some fish oil? Do we, do we eat fish as Americans? No, we don't. So we need good fats. We need fish oil every day because it makes the synapses in our nerve cells work better. It makes the synovial fluid in our spinal column work better. It's a good fat that helps us keep from eating bad stuff if we take it. So there are, and are you doing this as a dentist and a hygienist and a team member at the dental office? Are we educating people about, you know, their pie hole, their nutrition, um, you know, and, to sleep better tonight, set your sleep timer on your TV. These commercials that come on late at night, I mean, this is not very good advice from the sleep specialist, but I, I fall asleep watching Stephen Colbert or Seth Meyers or something because I like I like to laugh right before I go to bed. I like to find, you know, have something light, some something humorous. And we kind of drift off watching watching the late night shows. But set the sleep timer. Uh the, you know what the number one cause of insomnia is, Sheree? No. It's getting too hot. Number one cause, people, so what's ideal sleep temperature? 67 degrees. You, that's the ideal temperature to sleep. Set that on your thermostat. Make sure you have a, a good sleep environment. Is it dark in the room where you are? Is it, maybe there's a noise that you need, like a fan or a, you know, my CPAP machine makes noise. And, yeah. and my wife leaves it on when I'm out of the room because she <laughs> likes it it's like a fan. You know, it's, it's making noise. Um, so there's a few tips there on how you can sleep better tonight as an adult. And the number one thing that everybody has to be doing, are you standing in a pool of sweat four times a week? Are you exercising? And, you, and when you get to be my age, you know, an old man with a white beard, you know, maybe a 35-minute walk is sufficient or 50-minute walk. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you get out-of-breath exercise, 
I don't care for any medical condition. If you're able to physically, you don't have a knee injury or a neck injury or something. If you can exercise where you elevate your heart rate to the point you're standing in a pool of sweat and out of breath four times a week, it will revolutionize how you sleep. Yes, yes. And be careful what you eat before you go to bed as well. How, yep. you know, how much are, are you eating? Because that circadian rhythm is really important. That's when we restore rest and repair. That's when our memories get set and our REM sleep. And if you're mouth breathing or you're having an issue with your sleep plant machine, it's knocking you out of that circadian rhythm. So it's going to affect your entire day. And that's why kids are suffering with ADHD and it's getting misdiagnosed because we don't know that they're not sleeping. Yeah. Well, and so you mentioned that, but let's get specific. No caffeine after, say, two o'clock in the afternoon. Caffeine stays in our system about six hours after it's consumed. So if you're one of those folks like you're from Naples, Italy, and you have an espresso every afternoon, um, you know, you're going to stay fueled up pretty good till eight or nine o'clock at night. There is something to this go to bed with the sun, get up with the sun situation. Um, and there's a lot of power in the sleep that we get prior to midnight. It's pretty amazing. Uh, and also you'll find yourself waking earlier, uh, and you'll be amazed at how restful your sleep is, how restorative it is, how much better you feel. Um, so it's really important to kind of hover around that sunrise sunset situation and watch the sugar intake. You know, do you know how much, how many grams of sugar a human being requires every day for existence? A lot less than what we're getting. (laughs) Zero, zero grams of sucrose are required zero. People sail around the world to try to find sugar cane, right? right? I mean, can you imagine living back in the dark ages and and finding out that, wow, we can put some turmeric on this and some spice in this? They literally sent expeditions Then their mission was to find spices, you know, To and so I get it. You know, sugar tastes good. And it, sugar, heroin, cocaine, sex, chocolate, all work on the same receptor center in your brain. Okay. So, you know, you got to watch that you got to watch that sugar and the later you consume it. I mean, I got rock and rollers in my family. So people that need to stay up late at night. And so they get on this, you know, they play a live show at nine o'clock. They finally unload their gear and stop sweating at two 30 in the morning. And that'll mess up your circadian rhythm for sure. So just watch your sugar intake and your caffeine intake in the afternoons and evenings. And that'll help. Yep. Yeah, and getting that sleep when when we're supposed to. Again, we didn't have light and, you know, modern technology is great, but it's totally messed with our body and how it was actually meant to work. So that's part, like you said, that's part of the problem. 100%. You know, as a dental hygienist, we're taught that you should brush, floss, and visit your dentist twice a year. Um, But that's just a small piece of the puzzle of what's causing cavities and all of this stuff too. So, and you're right, we do treat the head separate from the body. It has different insurance. And a lot of people don't want to have things done if it's not covered by their insurance. But our insurance and our medical um, society was not meant to keep you healthy, right? It's a big business. So we need to start questioning a lot of this stuff that we were taught. And I think that I'm not buying into now you have to brush and floss and that's going to prevent cavities. It's there's much more, you know, how are you breathing? What are you eating? How are you sleeping? Those are all bigger pictures. Like you said, oxygen, water that you're drinking, nutrition, getting enough sleep. You know, we need to start respecting our body instead of just going with the stuff that's out there now. Yeah. And there's, and we have no excuses anymore, right? I mean, you have great access to information. You, there's a way to vet this information. You can read it. You know, there's, I mean, you could spend 
every day sitting in front of a computer reading about your own health. And, you know, as we get older, I mean, I've got friends and colleagues and family members that are in their 70s and 80s and they're starting to have some forgetfulness. And I'm telling you, when you, you know, time is the new rich, right? We have how much, what, don't, don't waste your time. Today is the day, you know, do it, do it now. Fix your nutrition now, fix your sleeping now, your breathing. You know, let's get, I mean, doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Can't change it. It's like hitting a golf ball in the water, right? You hit, hit one in the water. It's, it's the bottom of the pond. Can't do anything about that one. Hit the next one on the green, make your putt and go on, take your bogey or double bogey, move on with life. And uh, it's really important, you know, to, to to be your own advocate. I love that. Yeah. And put your health first. Health is the new wealth. If you don't have health, you can't create wealth, can't create memories with your family. So let's start there. And like you said, start with where you are today. It doesn't matter what happened before. Start with where you are today. How are you breathing? What are you putting in? And who do you get to help you? So that is going to be you. Let uh, everyone know again how they can get a hold of you, where they can contact you, because you definitely have a wealth of information. And if you can't help them, you can get them to somebody who can. So how do they find you? Sure. They can find me at askdrleads.com. All lowercase, all one word, A-S-K-D-R-L-E-E-D-S.com. We also have a special uh, website set up for our podcast listeners when we make an appearance. It's sweetdreamsmiles.com. And there'll be a free gift there. It'll either be a little... PDF uh, synopsis of our book or a little video from me with some sleep tips and stuff. So it'll be there for you. Sleep sweet dreamsmiles.com. Great. I love that. And thank you so much for um, being on our podcast today. And I can't wait to talk about some other topics that you have. So I would definitely love to have you back again. Anytime. My pleasure. Be glad to do it. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening today. If something you heard made you smile, made you think, empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure you share this with a friend. Write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook page, Dental Hygiene 411, or hit the link in the show notes to join a conversation. Until next time, breathe through your nose and share a smile. After all, they're contagious.